Well, if you would, open up to John chapter 10. We're looking at verses 1 through 10. Chapter 10 of John's Gospel presents us with two of the I am statements of Jesus. In verse 7, in our passage, he says, I am the door of the sheep. And then right after our passage, in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for my sheep. Jesus being the door speaks of having access to God. Jesus being the good shepherd speaks of provision from God. Our next sermon, we will look at that, how Jesus, the good shepherd, provides us with with provision. Today, we will see how Jesus, the door of the sheep, gives us access to God. And, And isn't that our greatest need? Access to God, the giver of life, the one who causes any and all flourishing on this earth? We will see how Jesus does that. John chapter 10. Verses 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that you've spoken these words and that um, your disciple John has faithfully written them down so we may ponder them again, so we can truly, by faith, hear you speak to us, that we would uh, know your voice and follow after you. Help us by your spirit to do just that this morning, we pray. Amen. Have you ever looked at your pet and found yourself thinking, sure it would be nice to have a dog's life, you know, chasing balls all day and begging for treats, or how nice it would be to to be a cat just lounging around in the sun, getting scratched on your belly until you start purring. Oh, to be a cat, oh, to be a dog, who here would ever want to be a, a sheep? Philip Keller, a Christian who was also a shepherd, writes about sheep. Here's what he says. A commonly held but serious misconception about sheep is that they can just get along anywhere. The truth is quite the reverse. 
No other class of livestock requires more careful handling, more detailed direction than do sheep. Sheep cannot find water unless they're led to it. They can fall on their backs and be unable to get up without the aid or help of the shepherd. Sheep are so nervous, they will not lie down around other nervous sheep. Makes for a really long night. Are you going to sit? No. Are you sitting? No, I'll sit if you sit. No, you sit first and I'll sit. I ain't sitting until you sit. Oh, the life of a sheep. Often sheep will mindlessly wander off feeding on new patches of grass and find themselves cut off from the flock, stuck on a ledge, or in danger from predators. Sheep can be stubborn to the point that they're actually a liability for the flock. Sheep are skittish. They become anxiety-ridden at the slightest imagined danger. Keller mentions a time when he's watching his flock and he saw them moving around and he saw one lamb was walking along and it got spooked for no reason and then it jumped over some imaginary object. And then, no joke, the sheep that were coming behind it jumped in the very same spot over the imaginary object. (laughs) Crazy, huh? Well, so it's obvious that sheep are absolutely dependent upon the shepherd to experience an abundance in life, of life in the flock. Who would ever want to be a sheep? But the Bible says we are like sheep. One of the most common metaphors in Scripture is God being the shepherd and his people in the flock are sheep under his care. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He leads me beside still waters. He he restores my soul. What a great picture. And so in a real and true sense, the, the call of the gospel is a call upon us to see ourselves as sheep without a shepherd and then turning into turning to Christ and joining his sheepfold. In our passage, Jesus says he is the door for us into God's sheepfold. Verse 7, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. Jesus means that he is the one and only reliable and true point of access into the sheepfold of God. And listen, being in the sheepfold of God, belonging to his flock, means everything. In verse 9 and 10, we see what Christ does when we enter into his Sheepfold, He will save us and we'll go in and out and find good pasture. And then in verse 10, he says that, that we may have life and have it, how? Abundantly. Listen, especially those of you who are young, the world promises you an abundant life that it cannot deliver. It will promise you abundant life, but it cannot deliver what you long for deep down in your soul. And so we need a shepherd to lead us. See, the problem is that God has made us to experience abundance in him, but our lives are so pitiful and broken. I'm not just speaking of myself, am I? That, that we need him to come and bring us in. We're so broken, we don't even recognize our own brokenness. We're so thirsty, but we don't even know where the fresh water is. And so, yes, we're like, we're like sheep. 
And yes, the Lord is a good shepherd for his sheep. And so if you and I are ever to experience the abundance of life that God has made us for, then we must find our way somehow into his sheepfold. And once inside, allow Jesus to shepherd us always. What we'll see this morning is that Jesus alone is the door that gives access to the abundant life of God. We'll divide our time into three areas. Miraculously, they all begin with A. Uh, Authority, admittance, and assurance. All right? Authority, admittance, and assurance. Jesus being the door means that he is the rightful authority over God's people. In our passage, we see that Jesus admonishes the religious leaders. And in their their admonishment, he declares that he, not them, has the authority over God's people. Now, to properly understand Jesus' admonition and claim of authority, we need a little bit of context. Our passage is really a continuation of chapter 9. I mean, when John wrote his gospel, he didn't, like, okay, this sounds like chapter 10, you know? No, it's one big continuation. In chapter 9, Jesus walks by a blind beggar, and he stops, has compassion on him, and he says, I am the light of the world, and he heals the blind man. Soon after, the once blind beggar is brought before the religious leaders, the Pharisees. They interrogated him to find out how he was healed. And turns out Jesus healed him when? On the Sabbath, which is a big no-no. So they called Jesus a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath. And they harassed this once blind man, this blind beggar, and his parents. They asked him if Jesus was a sinner. And here is his reply. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they got even more mad at him. And in the end they said, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And then they cast him out. These religious leaders were the gatekeepers, the door into and out of the sheepfold of God, and they literally cast this man out. How did Jesus respond? Well, in John chapter 9, here's what we see. Jesus heard that they cast him out. He went seeking him. He heard, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He's so teachable. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And the once blind beggar said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. See, the religious leaders were supposed to be good shepherds of the flock. They claimed spiritual knowledge, but they were actually what? Spiritually blind. And so these blind, selfish, hypercritical religious leaders of chapter 9 are the false shepherds in our passage who come to steal and to kill and destroy. But they believe that they are the rightful authorities in Israel. But in reality, they're the ones that Jesus admonishes for not loving God, nor loving people made in God's image. Jesus says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. A little more background knowledge. In in ancient Palestine, there was different kinds of sheepfolds or pens. What Jesus first depicts here is what you would find in a village. It was like a communal courtyard where shepherds at the end of the day would bring their flocks in and there would be a, they would hire a, a hired hand, a gatekeeper, and the shepherds would go home at night and they would get some shut-eye, you know, watch a little Netflix or something. And, um, and then in the next morning, they would wake up and they would go back to the sheep pen And the gatekeeper would open the door. He'd recognize the shepherds. And they would come in, and the sheep would know their voices. And so uh, one shepherd would come and say, follow me. And none of the other sheep that weren't part of his flock wouldn't follow him, but they would follow after their shepherd. That's the type of sheepfold in the beginning here. There's another type of sheepfold which would be out in the wilderness. So there's times when a shepherd would go for long periods of time, far away, and, and in the crags they would, they would take, make some walls and they would put up a way to protect the sheep. And they would literally, there was an opening, and they would literally lay down at the opening to kind of be a door for the sheep. That's most likely what Jesus is referring to here in verse 7 and after. So the sheepfold in the village... The hired hand would watch for thieves and robbers who wouldn't come in through the front door, right? They would be sneaky and silent. They would try to climb over and steal the sheep for dinner. Jesus says the true shepherd of the sheep enters through the door. Now, Jesus hasn't yet said that he's the door, nor has he said that that he's the good shepherd. But the point he is making before this crowd of Pharisees, these false shepherds, is that he is the rightful owner of the sheep. The people of God are his. Jesus is the one with authority from heaven over the people of God. He says, these are my sheep. They hear my voice. I call them by name. I lead them out into abundant pastures. Jesus is admonishing the very people who should have loved God's people. They should, have, they should have known the sheep by name. They should have inspected each one at night as they came in and cared for their needs. But instead, they looked down on the people. They harassed them. They had no mercy for this blind beggar. They cannot celebrate his repentance and salvation and healing. They're so quick to call people sinners while having at the same time no capacity for mercy and grace and forgiveness. And he's standing before these false shepherds, and Jesus is saying, the time is up, God is done with you. I'm the one with the authority. I love God's sheep. I know them. They are mine. I will take them out of your pen and bring them into my pen. And and then my pen will be characterized by mercy and grace and tenderness and compassion. And in my pen there will be feasting and celebrations and, 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 and life evermore. You know, this is a lesson for us today. Leaders in the church are to be under shepherds of Jesus Christ. They must not be like these Pharisees who lump rules and laws and burdens upon the people, who get so easily frustrated with the sins of the people in the flock. 
Grace Church, your elders, your staff, we have numerous lay leaders. Um, We have a calling from God to shepherd you, to care for your souls, to know you, um, to, to, to help you with your burdens. We will not do it perfectly, but it's our desire to care for your souls and point you to Christ and his promises. It's our desires to help you to mature in Christ, to become more and more like him each and every day. Our desire is to lead you into a deeper awareness and deeper dependence upon Christ, your shepherd, and upon the grace of God. Do you know that a shepherd doesn't drive his flock like a cattle rancher drives his cattle? Unlike cattle that you drive from behind with a stick, sheep are led by a caring voice. Not that there aren't times when the shepherd has to discipline wayward sheep. And sometimes the sheep are so incapacitated that the shepherd has to carry them. But mostly the shepherd leads and the sheep listen to his voice and they follow him. Let me ask you, honestly, do you see your need for being shepherded? Will you allow yourself to be shepherded? So, Jesus, the door of the sheep, has the authority to shepherd them. He is also our admittance into God's sheepfold. Think about it for a second. What is the function of a door? Is it not a way to let things in or out? Do not doors provide access for some and denial for others? Our church is part of a group of churches called the Metropolitan New York Presbytery. And about once a month, I go into the city for a presbytery meeting. And we meet at the offices of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Midtown. It's like right on the Avenue of the, Amer- of the Americas. And you just can't walk in and get on an elevator. You know, they, they got security there. There's doors that block you. And in fact, your name actually has to be in their database. And so you would walk in, they scan your card, and they go, oh, Mark Middlecoff, and then they give you a, a way in. But one day, earlier this year, I give them my card, they scan it, and they're like, sorry, you're not in the system. I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean? I'm Mark Middlecoff, you know, I belong here. And they actually had to call upstairs, and they had to... They had to find someone, track somebody down who actually knew me and could vouch for me belonging there. They finally found someone who knew me by name, and I was admitted in. In our passage, Jesus is saying, I'm your way in. I'm your admittance into the people of God. Verse 7. So uh, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Listen, this is something remarkable Jesus is saying. It's one of his I am statements. Jesus is saying, I am God's door to salvation and abundant life. I am the door. There is no one, no other. You know, that claim used to bother me in my atheistic uh, slash agnostic days. I derided Christians for believing that, that Jesus was the only door that God had to get to him. I would say, if there is a God, then I'm certain that he wouldn't be so narrow as to only have one door to him. 
I thought I was doing God a favor, you know. Um, But God's glory is not diminished because he has but one door. No, his glory is actually magnified because of who this one door is. It's the glorious divine son of God. There is no more glorious door you could ever enter through. So think about it. If there was a competing way to get in, God would be saying there's something as glorious and good as my son who lived and died for you. And there is no other glorious thing like that. There is no other door in. It's okay if there is but one door. That door is a door of grace that welcomes anyone who would but admit their need. Jesus says, I am the door. It's this door that the once blind beggar entered. I hope you see that Jesus, in giving him physical sight, also gave him what? Spiritual sight. Jesus revealed that he is the Messiah of God, and he's standing right in front of him. And the man said, I believe. And then he worshiped Jesus. The man, what? Heard the voice of the good shepherd calling out to him, and he came to Christ, and he entered through Christ. He experienced salvation. And understand, this this brought joy to this man, right? How do we know this? Because he worshiped Jesus. Isn't it true? whatever, Whatever brings you joy, you tend to worship, right? This once blind beggar, guess what? You think he ever cares now what those Pharisees say? Do you think he really could care... Um, that he's been cut off from them and from their fold? He could care less if they ever let him in that temple again. Why? Because the one to whom that temple points to is standing right in front of him. He's getting the real deal. He's got the Son of God, where, where, where God's grace manifests itself fully on earth. Jesus says, I am the door. Admittance into the flock of God is through me and me alone. So we looked at the authority and the admittance now for the assurance. Because Jesus is the door of the sheep, we experience a twofold assurance. We have assurance that the door, listen, to our past has been shut closed for good. And we have the assurance that the door of God's blessing has been opened up to us. First, Jesus, the door, assures you that the door to your past is closed. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus is the door into salvation. And you know what? He will save anybody, no matter your past. That once blind beggar, worst of the worst, outcast in his society. In Jesus' day, people believed that a person, if they were born blind, is because why? Oh, their parents must have been horrible sinners. That's what they thought. That's what his disciples, Jesus' disciples thought. His, his parents must have been horrible sinners. And so this blind man from his youth was told that he was unworthy and incapable of ever pleasing God. His sins were too big. And yet Jesus calls him, and he hears Jesus' voice. 
He recognizes Jesus for who he is. The, the, the Messiah, the, the true redeemer of God. And he believed and he entered through the door of Christ. And when he did, the door to his past was shut once and for all. He is no longer to be ruled by his past identity as a sinful, blind beggar. He is now a redeemed, seeing saint. That's his new identity. And my friends, Jesus the door does this for anyone and everyone who enters by him. He allows us to have a true and genuine shutting off of that door to our old past. It's true. If you've experienced this, before the Holy Spirit gave us spiritual sight, were we not blind to how our sin hurt others so easily? Were we not blind to how selfish and greedy we were? Blind to how slow we really are to care for others? We used to think we were pretty charitable until the Holy Spirit opened our eyes. We were blind to how judgmental we were, how easy it was for us to gossip about others. But then in a miracle of God's grace, the gatekeeper, the Holy Spirit, gives us spiritual sight. And we now see our great need. And we hear the voice of our good shepherd. And he knows our names. And he calls us by name. And we come to him. And we enter into his salvation, which is a thorough cleansing salvation of all your past. And then he closes that door to your past. Oh, not that we won't still maybe remember how hurtful and sinful we were. Not that we wouldn't have things to apologize for. And not that we wouldn't continue to still struggle or have temptations. Things like anger or jealousy. But in a real true way, God has closed that door. We're no longer, understand this Christian, you are no longer in that sheepfold. Living in blindness to your sin. Christ closes that door so thoroughly that our past lives are forever cut off from us. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that. Some of you are perhaps so marked and stamped by your past, the things you said, the things you've done, the addictions you've had, the people you hurt. You don't feel like that past could ever get get out of your current life. But when you come through Christ, to Christ, when you enter through him into that door... He cuts you off from that past by his mercy and his grace. That's how good his salvation is. Jesus closes the door to your messed up past. And as good as that is, Jesus closing the door to your past, he also opens a door to a future of blessing from God. Verses 9 and 10 again. I know we keep going there. I am the door. If anybody enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture Further down, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Listen, let's get it straight. Christianity, my friends, is about freedom. You heard me right. Many people think it's just the opposite. Why would I become a Christian and shackle my life to a bunch of suffocating rules? But listen, Jesus actually frees you and me. For instance, consider the mom who searches for meaning and purpose and identity and how wonderful her family appears to others. How she will compare how her family stacks up with others. And she will live under this weight. And she will be nervous, easily agitated, judgmental. And she will push her kids 
to make good appearances so that they too are under the same weight that she is. And so her happiness rises and falls on the success of her family. Now let me ask you, is that freedom? Is that an abundant life? No. But for the mom who finds her hope and her status as a child of God, as a sheep in God's sheepfold, that her identity isn't in how excellent her family appears. Do you see how freeing that could be? That's what Christ offers us. The Christian is no longer shackled to a life of faking or fooling or striving after things that are meaningless. Not that we aren't tempted at times, but we're freed from that. We know better now. No longer is the Christian's life bound up in the life that the Christian's trying to create. Now we've been set free to live the life that God has prepared for us. When Jesus saves you, he brings you into a sheepfold where he is your shepherd, so you shall not want. He makes you lie down by the still waters. He restores your soul. He will lead you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's what Jesus is talking about here in verses 9 and 10. If anyone enters by me, he will go in and out and find pasture. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, abundant life doesn't mean financial abundance. Nor does abundant life mean a struggle-free life or a pain-free life. How do we know that? Well, David in Psalm 23 delighted that God was his shepherd precisely because life is not pain-free or struggle-free. He rejoiced, singing, even though I walk where? In the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus says he's the door for God's sheep and that we're able to both go in and go out. Going in is to experience the shepherd's care as he takes his sheep into the pen at night. And every night as he brought them, each and every sheep that went back into that pen at night was looked at by the shepherd and inspected by the shepherd. He would remove all the burrs and the bugs and the parasites. He would apply ointment to any wound. He would give them a safe, anxiety-free place to shelter and rest. So they really could lie down. I'm lying down. You lying down? Yeah, I'm lying down. We need this. We need time with the Lord. Resting in him. Showing him our wounds. And we do this in community. We don't do it by ourselves. When Jesus saves you, he doesn't save you so you can go do it alone like a lone sheep out in the wilderness. Sheep don't do well in the wilderness. Sheep belong with other sheep and a shepherd. And when you enter through Christ into his sheepfold, you find yourself where? In the church. As messed up and broken as we can be. I don't know about you, but, you know, we're all sheep. I'm a sheep. I had a pastor friend of mine say once, she goes, you know what, Mark? Uh, Sheep bite. (laughs) We bite each other and bite the shepherd. Uh, it's hard being sheep. But where we have a good shepherd, 
there is contentment and comfort and peace. And so as we gather together, as we get, find ourselves being cared for by Christ, as we study his words, as we bear one another's burdens, as we rejoice with others as they rejoice, as we weep when others weep, we live this out in community and Christ is with us and he shepherds us. He sees our hurts and our wounds and we're able to minister to each other. So, Jesus the door makes it so we can experience abundant life by going in. He also makes it so we can experience abundant life by going out. Listen, because Jesus is the door, he makes it so we can go out and find pasture. That is, to live with victory in this world. As broken and as messed up and as hard as that is, we can experience, because of our relationship with Christ, abundance. It's true, isn't it? Think about it. If you're a Christian, you are someone who's listened, listened to your good shepherd's voice. You have heard him say things like, do not store up treasure on earth where moth and, moth and rust destroy, but store up treasure where? In heaven. And because you've heard this, you've heard his voice, you have actually avoided heartache in this world. You've experienced an abundance in your life because you haven't chased after earthly treasure. And consider this as well. Isn't it true? You've experienced peace in this world. Because you've heard Jesus' voice say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And you've heard his voice. And in your family or at work or at school or wherever, you said, you know what? I'm going to make peace here. And you did. Tell me, does that not produce abundance in your life? To have peace with a brother or sister that was once estranged? Or to have peace with a co-worker or a boss? That's abundance of life because Jesus is your shepherd. So think about it this week. Take time to think through all the myriad of ways that, that your life abounds right now because you hear Jesus' voice and you are following him. And take time as well this week to, to pause and ask the Lord, is there any area in my life in which I need to hear from you? So, this morning we've seen that Jesus alone is the door that gives us access to the abundant life of God. Jesus is the door into God's sheepfold because he has the authority from heaven. He is not a false shepherd that climbs in another way. He does not come to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to bless and so Jesus the door is also our admittance into the blessed flock of God. There is but one way in, but oh, what a wonderful way in that is. And we've seen that since Jesus is the door, we experience a twofold assurance. We are assured that the door to our past has been forever shut. We've been assured that the door into a future of God's blessing has been open to us. And so this morning, let's, let's be a little bit more like that once blind beggar. Let us believe with joy 
May we delight that Jesus is our door into the blessings of God's sheepfold. Maybe like that once blind beggar, worship Christ who says to us afresh this morning, I am the door of the sheep. Let's pray. Father, there really truly is joy in your flock to be um, to belong to you to be people who you've cried out to and called us to you your your voice is beautiful may we have better and better ears to hear you may you give us better and uh, spiritual sight by which to comprehend um, what you would have us to know and believe we we ask that you jesus really truly would shepherd us shepherd us in our daily lives Give us that joy of being a sheep who has a good shepherd. Thank you that you have opened the door for us into this reality. May we, um, by your grace, walk in this truth. May we feel blessed. May we know that we are special and treasured by you. Amen.